So let's think about the daily highlights for Saturday, the 3rd of June, Ulan Milan 2023. Hello and welcome to the final day. My name is Peter Nash, Professor at the School of Medicine, Griffith University, beautiful downtown Brisbane, Director of the Rheumatology Research Unit on Sunshine Coast. As the Congress comes to an end, let's uh, highlight what I feel the sessions of interest from the CSF perspective, including a wealth of important abstracts on this final day. Uh, there's some nice posters on emerging therapies, as well as cardiovascular implications of JAK inhibitors that are on today to have a look at. There are two posters that focus on safety in JAKs. That includes the latest by Mayer book on the long-term safety profile of JAK1 preferred filgotinib in patients with rheumatoid arthritis. And Gottenberg and partners uh, review the data from the relation study on tofacitinib and CV events. First of all, Paul Emmer and his colleagues report the latest efficacy and safety, and this got into the New England Journal of Medicine on perisolumab in rheumatoid arthritis. Now, perisolumab is a humanized monoclonal that stimulates PD-1, and uh, it's hypothesized that by binding to PD-1, you'll stimulate immune inhibitory pathways to restore immune homeostasis. So they've done a study looking at the efficacy and safety. The trial met its primary endpoint. Um, greater improvement from baseline at week 12 in the DAS28 CRP um, versus placebo at both tested doses. Um, there was significant improvement in CDI as well. Um, and there was um, dose relative to placebo of the two doses. ACR20 was also significant for the 700 milligram dose. And the safety and tolerability profile uh, supported going further from phase two into phase three. So an interesting approach, trying to use um, PD-1 inhibition as a way of stimulating immune pathways. Uh, in fact, it's not PD-1 inhibition, it's PD-1 stimulation, the natural inhibitor of immune pathways. So a very interesting approach. Um, you'll recall that a Batacept, the CD20 inhibitor, also tries to, to do the similar lines of therapy. Um, the next poster looked at looks at long-term clinical profile of filgotinib in patients with RA and looked at cardiovascular risk factors. This is a post hoc subgroup analysis. This is a JAK1 preferred inhibitor. And the key results really that the... Um, Adverse events were generally in high in patients over 65, as we know, and the cardiovascular risk in patients uh, over 65 um, were, was the issue and not under 65 without cardiovascular risks. So I might do that one again, if you don't mind. Um, so let's just read that through. So generally high in patients age 65 versus yes, and high in patients with or without or with cardiovascular risk in patients without cardiovascular risk. Okay. So the next poster was the long-term clinical profile of Jackman preferred inhibitor filgotinib in patients with RA looking at cardiovascular risk factors. And this was post hoc subgroup analysis. Um, they looked at pool analyses on the long-term safety of an efficacy. They looked at the two doses, 200 and 100 milligrams, and they looked at patients over 65 and under 65 
and looked at these subgroups of patients on the two different doses. And the incident rates were generally higher, as you'd expect, in patients over 65 compared to less than 65, and higher in patients over 65, all with cardiovascular risk factors compared to patients under 65 without cardiovascular risk. So that in the patients over 65, lower incidences of malignancies, in particular non-melanoma skin cancer, zoster, uh, leading to death were observed with 100 versus 200. So there seemed to be a dose effect there. So age was highlighted as the most important risk factor for filgotinib, particularly at the 200 milligram dose. So a poster worth having a close look at as it gives us a clue to which patients to be careful with and, and which patients are most appropriate for use of that JAK inhibitor. Um, the relation study was a nationwide cohort study reported by Gottenberg et al. And it looked at acute cardiovascular events in RA patients treated with tofacitinib and compared that to the TNF inhibitors in immune-mediated inflammatory diseases, particularly RA. Um, and given oral surveillance, this is an important question to try and get evidence from real-world data uh, what's going on, TOFA versus TNF, because you'll recall the Coravitas study and uh, the STAR study sh didn't show the MACE issues that were shown in oral surveillance, and they compared to the TNFs, and they had very large numbers that they followed, over 100,000 patients in one of those studies. So the key results from the relation study, the risk of MACE was similar between the two, whether it was ischemic heart disease, um, there was too low numbers of peripheral artery disease to perform any analysis. But in this real world data, and you'll have to look at the poster for the numbers and the baseline demographics, et cetera, tofacitinib was not associated with an increased risk of MACE when compared to TNF in patients with RA. So if we look at the uh, important paper looking at the EULA recommendations update presented, will be presented on this morning by Laura Gossick, uh, an interesting uh, presentation, um, and it really will focus on a domain approach. It'll focus on um, 17s, 23s, the 17 A and F and the JACs and where to position them in the treatment algorithm which patients are most likely to benefit from which particular therapy, whether it's axial involvement, uveitis, IBD, peripheral joints, skin, et cetera. Um, so you'll find this session helpful, um, and I think it'll have an impact for uh, regulatory authorities and reimbursers uh, around the world. And uh, um, it'd be important to stay up to date with um, those recommendations. Um, Phil Meese will present the phase two Ducravacitinib data. This is a TIC2 inhibitor, um, already licensed in a number of countries for the treatment of psoriasis. And he'll uh, look at pain in a post-hoc analysis of patients with active PSA. And there's some gasilcomab data on long-term efficacy and safety, as well as uh, for upadacitinib um, by Dennis McGonigal and Ian McGuinness. Um, so... A number of important uh, abstracts 
the phase two ducrevacitinib tick two study in active PSA, um, and this was looking at improvements in pain. And uh, while you control inflammation, you will certainly improve pain as well as Phil has documented. Um, Gisulcumab, um, long-term response in a post-doc analysis through two years. Um, they had very high retention rates and they really showed very nicely that skin and emphysema responses at the start predicted long-term response, including disease remission and showed nice uh, persistence of efficacy over time. Um, the safety of upadacitinib and psoriatic arthritis, these are the three-year results from the phase three, three select PSA1 study. Uh, and bottom line key results, the imaging results were similar between upacitinib 30, a dose that isn't recommended uh, or available in our country, at least um, 15 milligrams is our dose, compared to ad adalimumab, if you like the gold standard, uh, numerically higher than the upacitinib 15 dose, but overall the safety profile remained unchanged out to three years. So the efficacy in um, non-BDMAT IR patients was maintained out to three years, and there seemed to be a dose response compared to adalimumab. Uh, if you look at AXPAR, there's one very interesting post from the final day by Oliver Fakie and discusses the relationship between NSAIDs and MACE in AXPAR, because one of the common questions is, should NSAIDs be used continuously or on demand in radiographic AXPAR? And this looks at the impact of the NSAIDs uh, on the eight-year incidence of major cardiovascular events in patients with radiographic AXPAR. And uh, um, it hasn't been studied very well, um, the question really is continuous versus uh, on demand. And during the follow-up over eight years in quite a large number of patients, um, they identified a number of maces, a number of deaths, uh, and they quote the cumulative incidence in the 1.8, uh, just under one and just 0.85% respectively, and they analyzed them in a univariate analysis for age, sex, diabetes, lipids, and hypertension. And uh, in fact, the NSAIDs in the TNFs were associated with a lower risk of MACE events, which was not the case for other conventional synthetic DMARDs. So they try, they suggest the hypothesis that then needs to be tested, that there may even be a protective role of NSAIDs and anti-TNF drugs on cardiovascular risk. And the question is, is controlling the inflammation more important than any risk that an NSAID might add to the cardiovascular events in these patients? There's lots of um, standalone abstracts of importance. Um, there's a sum in RA, PSA and AXPOND and uh, these recommended abstracts and all the other sessions can be found in the CSF preview brochures that you can download. This paper by Aru looked at fulgotinib and its efficacy and safety in people who have failed multiple BDMARDs and to other JAK inhibitors. And the bottom line was that fulgotinib was still able to show clinical improvement with a low adverse event rate. 
And the intriguing thing about fulgotinib, there seems to be less of a VTE signal and even less of a zoster signal from the clinical trial point of view. So real world data um, from long-term follow-ups in registries, et cetera, are keenly weighted. Uh, weighted. Baricitinib monotherapy for the treatment of RA. Um, here's the five real-world data sources uh, presented by Chris Edwards. Um, and they looked at um, the use uh, of baricitinib as monotherapy. Half the patients in those studies, RA, be real, orbit RA and SC. QMRA uh, were taking and the B and the British Society of Rheumatology Biologics Registry for RA and the Erlangen Baricitinib cohort, about half the patients from monotherapy. I'm surprised it's not more like 70-75%. Um, they had quite nice numbers that reached low disease activity or remission up to a year of monotherapy across the different groups. Um, and they don't comment particularly about safety in this analysis, which is the key for this JAK2 inhibitor in particular, um, but the efficacy data is nicely presented. Um, there's some, a nice paper that looked at um, prevention of bone destruction using markers of um, bone resorption, as well as indicators of bone formation with these two JAK inhibitors, baricitinib and upadacitinib which both have been shown to inhibit radiographic progression. And uh, in this paper, treatment with either JAK inhibitor seemed to turn off increased resorption and showed some evidence of an bone anabolism uh, in patients with RA. Um, and they showed the biomarkers over 12 months of therapy, an interesting paper to study uh, the possibility of not only stopping erosions, perhaps healing, is something that needs to be examined further. The next paper looked at bimacizumab, the IL-17 ANF inhibitor in psoriatic arthritis, and looked at uh, the efficacy over a number of the composite measures of disease activity, uh, comprising joint and skin domains against uh, placebo. And they looked at things like um, very low disease activity, the measure used in some of the head-to-head -head IL-17 versus TNF study, particularly spirit head-to-head ACR50 plus PASI100, and they looked at DAPSA and PASTAS, the disease activity measure, at a year. And uh, surprise, surprise, bimikizumab demonstrated meaningful improvements in those composite measures and effective agent. Uh, from the COSMOS study, which is the TNFIR, Gasolcomab P19-IL-23 inhibitor study, they looked at um, early response as a predictor of long-term improvements in HAC. Um, these, a lot of these patients had long-standing disease, so there will be an irreversible element to their HAC. But um, if you're an early responder, according to this study, then you have, um, over time, uh, much improved um, health related quality of life improvements. Uh, another predictor of long-term quality of life PSA study with uh, gazelcomab. Um, this is the phase three study. Um, and again, if you respond by week eight, you've got a great chance of having uh, improved uh, health related quality of life through one to two years. Retention rates were very high with this agent and improvement over time is what is often seen. 
long-term safety of ixekizumab IL-17A inhibitor in patients uh, across the PSO, PSA, and AXPAR spectrum. Another post hoc analysis uh, looking in particular at major adverse cardiovascular events. There's no um, signal that the 17 should cause any MACE events. And in this study, the MACE event was low, stable, and not particularly aggravated by the treatment of um, these patients with IL-17A inhibition with ixekizumab, uh, as you'd expect. Treating inflammation is the most important thing to do. Uh, this is the efficacy and safety of uh, tofacitinib in AS, radiographic AXPAR, using baseline CRP. In our country, you have to have an elevated CRP to get reimbursed or um, uh, the regulatory authorities allow you to use uh, IL-17 inhibition in radiographic AXPAR. And... Uh, most of the other agents, particularly TNFs, have shown that if the CRP is not elevated, then it's difficult to show superiority over placebo. But with ixekizumab, that wasn't the case. And in this study, um, the tofacitinib was more efficacious than placebo, regardless of the baseline CRP. That's an important study and something that we can take to our regulators and say that um, those patients with um, who do not have elevated CRP are still going to respond to therapy and they should reconsider their regulations using ixekizumab and this tofacitinib study in particular. Um, looking at the comparison between secukinumab and ICSI, uh, they're both valid options for PSA and AXPAR with no significant differences between the two drugs, as you'd expect. They both work well, and there's a number of anecdotal case reports of the patient failing one responding to the other, even though you think there's full IL-17 inhibition, and it works both ways. So another busy and insightful day at ULR 2023 to look forward to, a great way to end the Congress um, with lots of um, important posters, recommendations, novel therapies, treatment updates. I hope you've enjoyed this roundup of day four. Um, and the highlights we've suggested at this year's meeting. You can download the ULR 2023 highlight brochure from cytokinesigling.com. You can see all the abstracts, you'll have slides, etc. cetera. Um, so thank you very much for joining me today. I look forward to more informative and interesting podcasts coming to the CSF forum soon, and thank you for your time. <laughs>